voice of my grandmother calling. I hear the voice of my grandmother call. She says, wake up, wake up. She says, wake up, wake up. Listen, listen. Listen, listen. That's Stephanie Rooker. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Blissfully Aware, brought to you by The Daring. Here we are a few months into the podcast, finding our footing and getting to know you. And it's time to give this series its name. Blissfully aware it is because we find peace when we're awake and deeply connected with each other. I know I do, and it's the main reason I do this work. I've had the privilege to hear the same from you. So thank you for that. And how perfect that in this week's episode, we're gliding into the loving mind of Stephanie Rooker, who is a vocalist and founder of Voice Journey. You'll hear us talk about the power of listening with our minds and bodies, finding our voice and using it to heal discord and pain and expand our capacity for creativity, connection, and joy. I could not be more excited to share this conversation with you. I think I've gently fallen in love with Stephanie, and I think you will too. Here it is. Hi. Oh man, I'm so happy to see you. Thank you so much for coming on. I am so excited to chat with you. Me too. (laughs) So let's get to it. What I would love to do is set the scene a little bit. You're the first guest who's coming on who is vocally inclined and uses that talent to do everything. Mm -hmm. Put us in the right place. Sure. I'm a vocalist. And I teach voice with a holistic approach. So it's not just about, quote, how to sing, but really looking into what our voices are for us, how they function in in how we express ourselves, whether that be creatively or just communicating. And also just how our voices are like so deeply connected with who we are. Everything that we've been through, our voice has been through with us. And so we carry that, the voice knows, so it knows us really inside and out and reveals things about us sometimes when we don't want it to. And there's also something about the voice that is beyond us in that it is energy. And so, you know, my work with Voice Journey is really about tapping into that relationship in a very deep way and also exploring the bounds beyond ourselves that the voice can take us to when we really listen to it and when we really let it. How did you start singing? I was singing since I was like a little kid. Yeah, so it's been with you. Mm-hmm. My mom was a singer and accompanist and my dad was a huge, is a huge music lover. Yeah, so my mom would sing with us, with me and my brother and sister when we were little and we were always singing in church choirs and stuff like that. I grew up in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. So there would be like little community festivals. They would have little talent shows and we would get up there and do our numbers. And it was just always a thing. Singing was always a thing that was emphasized in my family. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And at some point along the way, it became more than just singing for Mm -hmm. you. Yeah, actually, like very early, I started, I was really into imitation really zooming in my listening to my favorite singers and like picking up on what they were doing. How was their voice doing what they were doing and like learning in that way. So 
imitation was how I really learned to sing, I think, because I would like listen and imagine like how that feel if that sound was moving through my body. And then I would let my voice do that. How? A lot of it was just sort of feeling and like somatic imagination, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like I'd imagine like the shape of the sound, the feeling of the sound, color of the sound. You know, I would really get sort of multidimensional. And it's funny like to talk about it now because I didn't think about it like that then. It was just sort of the listening was so zoned in that I would just put myself in the sound. My mom, I remember her singing in the kitchen one day and she was singing some Aerosmith song. And I was like, that's not how he sings it. Like, like, that's not how it goes. I mean, she was singing the song, but she wasn't singing it like Steven Tyler sings it. Really zooming in on that level, I think also it wasn't just technical. There were so many other layers of the music that I was accessing and exploring and that was allowing to come through me. I'm imagining it being a very visual and physical experience. Mm -hmm. Sensation based. And then, you know, I would prescribe music for myself. If I liked a boy, you know, like we all do that. Like we have like our songs, our jams. Yeah. But I took it pretty far. Like I would DJ myself through breakups and tough times. I would go in and play all the songs, splay out my CDs all over the floor and just create a rotation that would help me go deeper into the feelings that I was feeling and do that until I felt like I was cleansed or I felt like I'd exercised that feeling facing what was happening within you ever deeper was a way through. Yeah, music was always medicine for me in that way of it was like my companion. I used to have a shirt that said you're never alone with music because it'll go with you, you know, it'll meet you where you're at and go with you into whatever depths you want to to reach and then bring you back out again. And it stayed with you from your home where you were singing with your family mm-hmm. and um, laying out the soundtrack of your life. Fast forward many, many years, you are running a business mm-hmm. in New York City and you will go into details of what you do, but the premise is that you are healing and opening people up through sound. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little more about that. Yeah, sound It's such a visceral element. It's so efficient and effective in connecting with our bodies and and adjusting our bodies and reaching our bodies on very deep levels. If you think about how hearing a song can totally shift the way you feel, or if you're in a store and there's music playing, but you don't register in your mind consciously that the music's playing, but your head is bopping. Mm -hmm. Your body picks up on sound. The body is really, really responsive to sound. So a big part of my work is first that realizing like you know, sort of reconnecting to our bodies and the, the listening and the awareness of our bodies through sound. And, you know, I see that as a meditation, opening and expanding your awareness through your body and through the idea of listening through your body and listening to your body. I work with some instruments, but I really prefer the voice as the principal instrument because it's in us and it knows us. I can't tell you how many times people come and and work with me and we'll be doing something very basic and they'll just start crying. The voice will just be moving something in them Mm -hmm. that will have not been touched for a long time. And memories surface, sometimes trauma, sometimes longing, desire, 
the voice has the capacity to unlock that for us and to reconnect us with those parts of ourselves that maybe we've put away or put aside, forgotten about, dismissed as not possible or dismissed as not being worthy of those things that we want. Or That's so powerful. Yeah. How do you go about creating a safe space for people to relax enough mm. to do that with you? You know, it's a really interesting question because I think it's a skill for sure. And it's funny because for a long time, it, I didn't realize it was a skill that I was cultivating within yourself. Yes. One of my favorite collaborators and favorite humans, Sarah Kapua. She's a yoga therapist and yoga teacher. And then we worked together for many years. I did sound, called them sound body yoga classes. And we did a couple retreats together. And I remember early on in, in us working together, we were talking about this. And as I remember it, she was saying, yeah, you're really good at that. It feels like you've really, really cultivated that skill of holding space. Mm-hmm. and making that space feel really comfortable and accessible. And it wasn't until then that I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I have, you know. like mm-hmm. It wasn't a thing that I was like, I'm going to work on, you know. For me, what it's about is I always go back to listening because listening is, is receptive. You know, listening is holding space because mm-hmm. you're not thinking when you're listening. You're curious. You're open. You're not even expectant. You're just sort of being and absorbing what's happening in the moment. Mm -hmm. And so my body is a huge part of that. Mm -hmm. So like I also tune in on a somatic level with people and like I can see, you know, how they're sitting or how they're moving and like I can be in resonance with them Mm -hmm. and get information that way about how I can best hold space for them. Mm -hmm. I also listen to people's voices, which is like something that I've been cultivating as well. And Again, something I sort of naturally lean to from my early years of imitation and really zooming in to that and discerning what was happening in a voice. And then also one of my teachers, Pat Moffitt-Cook, incredible sound healer and ethnomusicologist and really masterful Vedic chanter. You know, she can listen to someone's voice, do like a scan going, you know, all the way down, up and down. Mm-hmm. And she can identify physical issues in the body from listening to the voice move up and down in that way. So that was a big teaching to me too. Like, oh, they can be connected. Mm-hmm. Like you can actually feel the body through the voice and vice versa. So that all goes into holding the space is really listening. Another really brilliant teacher, Wendy Young, she teaches early music at Princeton and she's been working in sound forever and she's amazing. We did a training together in Atlanta and she says that when you're working with someone, your higher self beyond your ordinary consciousness and their higher self are in agreement about this. Like they're like hovering above you being like, okay, here's what we're going to do. And I really love that image because it takes it out of the like, what do I need to do? Mm-hmm. How can I fix this? Or how can I help this person? Which can get really laborious, but also inhibitive. You know, if I'm sitting here thinking like, oh, how can I help you? What can I do for you? How can I fix this problem that you're having? Or then I'm not actually being with you. Mm-hmm. My empathy is limited by this desire to change you mm-hmm. and to make you better, which is you know, so the ego thing to be a healer. You know, even like that word is I fix things. Yeah, I fix things. There's such a big um, premium on that in New York City. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you are cultivating this sacred space of quiet and introspection within the larger New York City environment is very special. Thank you. 
all those layers go into it. Sometimes I'll just be listening and whatever you want to call it, intuition or me tapping into the conversation between my higher self and the higher self of the person I'm working with. And I'll just get a hit like drum, you know, or this exercise or, you know, something that I'm not strategizing myself, but that's like, oh yeah, that would feel really good. That's another thing too. Somatic empathy. If it feels good to me, that's good. And if I'm really tuned into that person and I feel something like I can trust that that's also me picking up on what's happening with them because I'm attuned to them. And so if I feel something in my body or I feel a sense of unease or I feel, you know, also it's good to just say those things sometimes. I'm feeling this thing. What do you feel? And then it's out there and we can talk about that. Mm -hmm. You know, there have been so many times I've been in traditional therapy Mm -hmm. and some things will flow through my body, my voice, my mind. And they, in the moment, might seem too little to acknowledge, Mm -hmm. even to myself, let alone out loud. But the times that I have, it turned out that they weren't such little things after all. Mm -hmm. They're like little taps, Mm -hmm. you know, the little person inside me tapping gently saying, let's look at this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think we get those indicators a lot and don't think much of them, especially discomfort. I think we want to put it aside or say like, I'm fine, I'm fine, you know, but to say like, I feel a tightness in my chest right now or... You know, I feel like my eyes are going to water. That's an entry point to going deeper, to exploring your experience and what your body is telling you. Even pain. Yeah. You know, I do work with pain. That's, again, not about fixing the pain, but about leaning into the pain to relate to it and connect with it and give it your compassion. I'm telling my students all the time, you know, especially with ourselves, we're so quick to dismiss and say, oh God, I wish I didn't have this pain. Whatever kind of pain it is, we wish it would just go away. It's like inadequacy or Mm. something like Mm -hmm. that. There's a prejudgment. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be this way. And therefore I don't want to deal with it. Right. But the way I like to think of it is if that was your friend, you know, if your dear friend came to you and said, you know, I'm just, I'm in pain. I'm really hurting right now. Would you do the same thing? Would you say, God, just go away. I don't want to deal with this. No, I don't have time for you to be in pain, you know. How do we make the leap from self-neglect to being able to imagine what you just described? Yeah, there's so many beautiful practices. One that I learned from another teacher of mine, Louise Montello, brilliant psychomusic therapist from uh, the new school called Sounding the Body. Mm. It's like using sound to connect to those parts of ourselves and really explore them in an abstract way so that it's not a heady thing. It's a really like, oh, like, tell me how you really feel. Mm-hmm. You know, and the body is nonverbal, so sound is great. So you can make whatever sound of that feeling that you have and let that out. In this practice, there's like a mirroring aspect too. So if we were doing it, you would make the sound of your feeling, the sensation, and I would do the same sound. So in a sense, not only are you making the sound, but I'm also affirming it saying, yeah, we hear you. We're listening. Humans have been using sound like this since the beginning of humans. When I teach classes, I'm like, I'm not going to teach you anything new, really. (laughs) You know, like, you know all this stuff. There's no new things. We've always used sound. On some level of ourselves and our DNA, we know sound is a tool for us. Sound helps us. That's Mm -hmm. why when we're frustrated, we... (sighs) Right. To reclaim that as an intentional tool, as a medicine that we actually apply for specific purposes, is very powerful, you know, and 
it's really beautiful that sound is kind of blowing up right now. Like everyone's like, sound bad. See it. You know, it's, it's amazing. It's so good because we need to reconnect to ourselves in this way. We need to remember that we have this capacity to be more fully awake in our bodies and with each other. I'm in grad school now. I'm finishing my last semester of my master's degree in mental health counseling. Mm-hmm. And the reason I did that was because in my private sessions and even in, in some workshops, some retreats, people's stuff was coming up. People's trauma was coming up. It comes right up. And I felt good and strong and capable of holding the space. Like we said before, like I can hold the space. I can, be, I can create a container for people to feel safe mm-hmm. for that to come up. And the reason I know that is because it happens all the time. You know, if people yeah. didn't feel safe, they wouldn't go there. But Louise Montello, the teacher I mentioned, mm-hmm. and then a dear, dear friend of mine, Ali Sun Panici, she was a brilliant music therapist, a great singer and songwriter, and just beautiful human. They both passed away really suddenly. And it was like, all right, time for me to go get my piece of paper that says I can bring this to more people and not have it just be a yoga studio thing. Mm-hmm. but have it be brought into spaces where it's really, really needed. Where do you see that need? I mean, I think we all need it to an extent. And I think what's happening in our culture right now and in our world is indicative of our need to reconnect to ourselves in this way mm-hmm. and our need to reconnect to each other and our need to reconnect to our planet. And it's a very fundamental disconnect that's happened. So I think everyone first. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's also people dealing with all manner of health issues, physical issues, pain issues, mental health issues. This tool is so helpful and it is not something that is mainstream. <laughs> you know, I actually teach with Community Healthcare Network. They're like a low and no cost medical clinic, but they do you know everything. Mm-hmm. It's a really beautiful organization and they have clinics all over the city and and they have this really strong wellness program that's free for their clients people can come and take a yoga class can take a sound meditation class can take a Mm -hmm. a reiki class or a qigong class and it's like really really amazing that they've integrated wellness into their medical model and what i hear so much from the patients there is that the sound work helps them feel more agency because it helps them feel like they're connected to their bodies that are going through the healing processes that they're going through mm-hmm. and that they can relate to that and not just feel like the doctor is treating this car. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just have to take this vehicle that's my body to the shop because I don't know what's going on with my, my car. This is your body. And so when we can reconnect in this very fundamental and very deep way with our bodies the body responds, the body heals better. You know, we reduce our stress with these things. Stress is major, you know, and even pain management, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think I think it's really needed by everyone and it's really needed in, in places where people need that healing and need to be reminded that they have agency in that, reminded that they have tools, that they have something that they can work with there that will make a huge difference for them. How do we work with people who've lost their voice, who don't believe they have a voice? Oh, those are my favorite people to work with. <laughs> How do we do that? You know, it's it's so simple. And so many of us, it's a, I consider it a crime, honestly, 
so many people come to me and I, oh, I don't have a voice. Oh, I can't sing. No, my teacher told me to mouth the words in elementary school or someone told me I should never sing. And it's criminal to me <laughs> because shutting that down is major. Essentially, you're saying your expression is not valid or valued. So the way I go about that is by starting very simple. This idea of a good voice is like so ridiculous because it's so relative. It's such a construct. Mm -hmm. So my approach is like start super simple. Allow people to connect with just what the vibration of their voice feels like in their body. You know, humming, it's the first most basic thing that I do in classes and in my teaching. It's just humming one note. Like what? Just like that. Just one note. doesn't matter how steady or how long it is, but... You can feel that vibrating in your body. It wakes up your, oh, my voice can do this thing. Mm -hmm. It vibrates inside of my body. I can feel my chest open a little bit. It's pretty cool. So cool. So <laughs> number one, just remind people that their voice is pretty cool and magical and yeah. can do this awesome thing. And that's just one of the things, you know. So then we start from there and really like build what your voice can do for you. Stop having the voice be a measure of your attractiveness or your goodness or your proficiency or whatever, you know. Measuring stick you have, yeah. Yeah, for how much you value you have. Mm -hmm. and realize how powerful an instrument you are and tapping into that. I think the hardest part is for people to get out of the way. Once you can get out of the way of your voice and stop trying to tell it what you think it needs to do or how you think it needs to sound, oh my God, everything changes. People, sounds come out of them that they're like, how is this happening? I didn't know I could do that. And yeah, your voice can do things that you can't even imagine if you can get out of the way, trust it, mm -hmm. and, you know, provide the support that it needs. And that's where the technique comes in, breathing in a way that really gives your voice the most opportunity, the most possibilities, holding the sound in your body. You know, I see technique as the scaffolding, mm, you know. That's beautiful. And you can set up the technique only to where it supports your voice to do what it wants to do, but not to where it gets to be too much that you're fixating on like, oh my God, I have to breathe this do this you know, it's like then it becomes oppressive right but if you can have enough technique where you feel like you're strong you have a strong foundation and a strong way to support the voice and then it's this balance of surrender and structure Ooh, i love that dance <laughs> yes. say a little more <laughs> can you paint a little bit more of a picture about that beautiful tension you just described yeah yeah with every student that comes to me, I have to determine what that balance is for them. Because mm -hmm. I definitely have people from all full spectrum of experience. Some people who are like, oh, I'm never saying, I don't know anything. You know, not even from talking to them, but we'll sing together a little bit first. We'll hum together. I'll sort of tune in and see where they're at. Mm -hmm. in them. But sometimes they'll need a little bit more structure to help them feel safe, to help them feel supported, that they can support their voice. Mm -hmm. And then we go into like freedom go into a little bit of surrender. Mm -hmm. Some people come in with a ton of technique. Trained singers, professional singers come in and they're just like, I don't know, I just feel like it's just a show or I'm not connecting with myself. I'm just performing. And, and they know how to do all the things. They know their instrument intimately. They know the mechanics of it. They know how to control the voice. Mm -hmm. But that's the problem too, that they're controlling the voice. And to sort of unhinge some of those control mechanisms, it's difficult. It can be scary. But to let some of that go so that they can surrender a little bit more 
There are tons of beautiful practices that do that dance of structure and surrender, providing enough structure mm-hmm. and then inviting. It's almost like a safety net, right? Mm-hmm. Here's your safety net. Now go and explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you were just talking about surrender, what triggered to me is shame. Mm-hmm. Being a, too ashamed to do that. Sounds familiar? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. I think we can talk about it in terms of shame and we can also talk about it in terms of fear. The way I see shame is like a hiding, like something that needs to be hidden. Mm-hmm. It's a little different than fear, right? They're connected, but not the same. So shame would, I would try to give a little bit more foundation, support, safety, and cultivating that connection with a voice that feels good mm-hmm. so that that good feeling is stronger than the need to hide. That's irresistible. Yeah. To where it's like, it feels so good. Like, why would I hold back this? Mm-hmm. But the fear is an interesting thing because so many people get shut down by the fear. Like, it's like, oh, I'm afraid. And then anxiety. And then like, I can't, you know, but the way I like to reframe fear is to interpret it as this is really important. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel that too. Like before I'm going to sing, before I'm going to perform, before, you know, I feel the quickening. And you can take that as like, this is really, really important because it is a profoundly intimate experience. It's profoundly exposing to sing for people. It's almost like you're pulling the inside out. Yeah. You are the instrument. Mm-hmm. It's you. You can't hide behind a guitar, you know, like you can't blame it on your sticky pads on your saxophone, you know, like, <laughs> like it's like you, the instrument is you. Yeah. And so all the things that come up about our value and our worthiness and our goodness, all the judgment stuff comes up in those, those important moments when it's like, I'm going to share something. I'm going to offer something from myself, from my, my soul. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, people are going to see me. People are going to see me. Me. Yeah. The me I've been tucking away at night. Uh Uh-huh. That's scary shit. And it happens for everyone. Yeah. This is the thing. People always believe, like, professional singers, like, they don't have that. They are just cool with it now. No, they're not. They're not. They just learn to work with it, learn to reroute it in a way. Or they have gotten so good at manipulating their technique that they have become satisfied with the sound and they can hide behind that which is another thing you know i was saying before that Mm -hmm. people come to me they feel like they're not connecting they know how to sound good but they don't feel like they're really being seen Mm -hmm. because they're hiding behind the technique you know so it's it's really really something to sing and yet it's amazing because those things that we're most scared of like when we really do come out and sing and be seen be heard and when we're received it's so powerful Cathartic. It's amazing. In a lot of workshops, I do call and response, and I like to pass it around so that anybody who is willing can offer the call. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that this is not your solo. This is not your time to shine. This is your offering of your experience, where you're at right now, whatever that is. And I always encourage people because it is so powerful to offer something of your experience and then have people give it back to you. What a gift to put it out there and have people receive it, take it in and say, yeah, we hear you. Here's how well we were listening to you. Here's how much we care. And it's so powerful, that idea of being heard. And feeling not alone. 
the voice is a really powerful tool in helping everybody feel connected and interconnected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's nothing like singing with other people. There's something really special about it. There's studies. Studies have come out. Science is telling us. <laughs> <laughs> if you need that validation, it's there. There's science that says people who sing in choirs have lower stress hormone levels, have, you know... Whenever I go to yoga class, the chanting is really my favorite part. And so many am, people say that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm definitely one of those people who grew up being told that they don't have a good voice and should not sing. Mm-hmm. I won't have a singing career and I'm okay with that. But I'm speaking for a living. So, you know, somewhere along the spectrum, I landed. Mm-hmm. But when I go to a yoga class, the chanting and the beginning and the end are really something that I look forward to because it's mm-hmm. my one outlet mm-hmm. to sing mm-hmm. in public mm-hmm. with other people. Mm-hmm. And it's great. It's great. You know, really, fundamentally, it's because we're vibration and we don't think of it that way. We think we're solid, but we're vibrating mm-hmm. all the time. We're not solid. We're, we're mostly space and we're vibrating. And when we sing and our voices mix with other voices and create this ocean of vibration that we're all swimming in, we realize how one we are. Like it's so easy to feel it in that moment. We're really one vibration. And, and yoga knows that. Nada yoga, the yoga of sound. They've been knowing that since ancient times, you know. Mm-hmm. And I would say don't um, sell yourself short because I've had plenty of students come to me. <laughs> I can't really sing. I just want to like try it out. And, and now they're like writing songs and making albums. That's amazing. Yeah. If you have something to say, if your voice has something to say and you give it the space and the support and the freedom to do it, things will start coming to you. And you won't be, the realization of the importance of them will be stronger than your fear of it. When we're creating things that help us connect and that are bigger than ourselves is really helpful in relieving that fear. That's when things are literally greater than the suffering that we protect and tuck away. Yeah, and I would even say creating from the suffering liberates us from it. Another one of my teachers, Sylvia Nakash, wrote an incredible book, Free Your Voice, And there's a chapter on rasa, which is the Indian term for like mood. And there are like a number of rasas, heroic and comic and melancholy, you know. Mm -hmm. There's one section and she said it really beautifully. And I don't have the quote on the tip of my tongue, but what I wrote in the margin was hurt so good. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me of the blues, which I see really feel as a music that was a healing music. Mm-hmm. It was a music that came from sorrow, but in order to relieve it mm-hmm. and like expressing that was healing. People that needed that expression too, needed that healing too, got it from listening to blues. Now I want to like find that quote and read it. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Sylvia says, the mind experiences conscious joy even in the representation of painful events because of the integration of perceptual, emotional, and cognitive faculties refined by subtle aesthetic dimensions of sensing, feeling, and listening. It's a very heady quote. It is heady. I'm pretty heady. What I, no, but what I, love, um, what I love about it is that it acknowledges that there is joy to be taken out of pain that it can be converted into something that's 
uniquely powerful Mm -hmm. and it might even be the special sauce that's not to say we should all be depressed pained people no 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 not at all Mm -hmm. but we do all suffer in our own degree Mm -hmm. so can we look at ways beautiful beautiful ways of converting that firstly acknowledging it Mm -hmm. let's slow down a little bit yeah yeah (laughs) Let's pump the brakes. Because <laughs> I think it's a lot just to face it and mm-hmm. say, holy crap, this is what I'm going through or this is what my dear friend is going through. Mm-hmm. And then what do you do with it mm-hmm. once that information has been uncovered? Yeah. You're right. Acknowledging it is number one. Mm-hmm. And, it, and especially when whatever the pain is echoes into multiple layers of yourself or echoes far back into your history. Mm-hmm just coming to terms with that, just confronting that and accepting that is very difficult. I've been doing some shadow work myself recently and had that experience of like, oh my God, this is this huge thing, this big, dark piece of myself that I have not looked at. I'm aware of its operating in many aspects of my life. Mm -hmm. And it's come to a point, it's almost like I had no choice but to dive down into it and look at it and see it and I totally hit that point of fuck Mm -hmm. what can I do like what do I do about this I know that this thing is you know it's not the truth it's not the whole truth of me Mm -hmm. but it's so strong and I felt that internal struggle with it Mm -hmm. and then finally you know of course when I wasn't really thinking about it (laughs) it occurred to me that I I need to just be compassionate with that part and I need to just listen to it and acknowledge it and know that that part of me believes that lie, Mm -hmm. you know, that is distorting the way it functions and sees the world and feels love and all that stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. just that simple acknowledgement, just allowing that part to be exactly where it is, exactly how it feels and just saying, yeah, and I love you anyway, like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and I'm going to keep loving you. And if you keep thinking that, that's okay. Like, <laughs> you're going to keep thinking that, you know. Allowing that part to express itself. Letting it, that part write a song. You know, singing the shit out of that song. Giving it that. Like, yeah, you feel this way. <laughs> Let it out, baby. It sucks. <laughs> yes. Letting it not just be, but letting it be fulfilled by acknowledgement and love. Really my mission mm-hmm. to wake up the voices because we need all the voices Mm -hmm. we need all the songs we need all of them no one can be left out yeah like we need all of them more than ever Mm -hmm. the more people can step into that owning of their power and their magic and their capacity to heal themselves and heal this world i mean the better it's gonna be that's my mission wake up the voices Mm -hmm. give people tools to Get out of the way and let their voices sing the songs they need to sing, make the sounds they need to make, shed whatever conditions or constructs we take on that aren't serving us anymore. I think that's really powerful. And, you know, we can't make an impact, creative impact or otherwise, if we're not well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? If we can't heal our divides, we can't connect. Yeah. Last weekend, I had the honor and the blessing of being with the Council of 13 Indigenous Grandmothers. They just released a book, Grandmother's Wisdom. It's so beautiful. 
And their mission was to travel all over the world to each of their homelands and offer prayers in each of their homelands. And the, the prayers are for remembering connection to the earth, remembering connection to each other, for peace. Mm-hmm. Just being around them is a profound experience. Grandmother Maria Lisi from Brazil, she said, this is not a direct quote, <laughs> what we're up against is not ideological. It's not political. That's not really the problem. The problem is that there is a very fundamental disconnect between people mm-hmm. and between people and the planet. Mm-hmm. She said, you know, you can pass all the legislation you want. That ain't it. You're not treating the right source of the issue. The problem is our disconnection from the source of truth and relatedness, inherent relatedness to each other mm-hmm. and to this planet. Yeah, and I feel like this is one way to restore that connection, heal that relationship to ourselves and to each other and to the planet. Right, because you could easily externalize it and say it has nothing to do with me as mm-hmm. the legislation. Mm-hmm. I recycle, I compost, mm-hmm. I'm a good person. It's those people. Right, it's the other. Yeah. What's true is that, like you said, the othering. I had a really amazing thing happen over the summer where I connected with some people I've known all my life, really. They're Republicans, Fox News watchers, Mm -hmm. you know, and and we've always been very cordial, you know. But I spent some time with them and I did a a full moon ceremony, (laughs) which I do every month. It's like the Mohawk way, one of my elders taught me. So I invited them and they Mm -hmm. came. And it was like, whoa, they came. (laughs) And they really did it. It's a Mm -hmm. gratitude ceremony. Mm -hmm. And you just pour your heart out, you know, in the Mohawk way. They're like, it takes as long as it takes. Mm -hmm. Like, you can be sitting there for three hours, everybody just thinking of every single thing they're grateful for. And it's beautiful. Nothing, like, connects people like that kind of outpouring of like these are the things I really cherish so after we did that ceremony it was really you know they said to me they're like that was really beautiful that that we did that it was really honest mm-hmm. you know it wasn't just a like woo-woo thing mm-hmm. they like really felt it and, and we spent a little bit more time together mm-hmm. sitting around the table talking and this one gentleman said to me isn't this great you can have your beliefs, and I can have my beliefs. We can just sit around the table together, enjoying ourselves together. Mm-hmm. I was like, it is really great. It's actually what we need. Yeah, is to remember that connection that we have, and that we that we can cultivate and can make stronger than our ideas about the way things should be. And I think when we do that, when we cultivate that connection more, we can listen better. Mm-hmm. And if we can listen better, we can expand our possibilities of collaboration, the possibility mm-hmm. of meeting in the middle, in those places where we're ideologically opposed or in conflict. Life is not black and white. We're nuanced. And it's important to remember that today, I think, more than ever. And to even think, you know, that black and whiteness, spending the weekend with the grandmothers and with other Native that I know, it's like a different reality, mm-hmm. removed from the constructs of how the world works. So it's a whole nother way of even thinking about life. The Mohawk elder I had was sitting with me one time in Prospect Park, and he said, you know, this right here, and he just sort of gestured around, like, at everything. <laughs> there's this, and then there's the Native way. 
and the native ways, completely different reality. That really stuck with me. How much of what's real for us is real and how much is it what we've come to believe is real? I mean, just think of money. It's a piece of paper, but it means that you can't eat. Yeah, we construct it and we subscribe to it without questioning. Mm-hmm. Do you, um, and maybe I know the answer, but I don't want to make any assumptions. <laughs> Do you think people operate with best intentions? Mostly. Like when you meet somebody for the first time, do you expect them to be the kindest they can be? I'm going to say yes. And I'm also going to say that they can at the same time be operating from shadows. Mm -hmm. Like I was saying about myself earlier, unearthing that dark part of myself helped me see how I was operating through it in ways that are hurtful. But that was what was true to me. Mm -hmm. You know, that part of myself was running the show saying, this is how it works. These are the rules of engagement. Mm-hmm. And so I think my capacity, I felt I was operating with the best intentions. Mm-hmm. And yet my operating system included this program of this shadow. So I think that people think that they are operating with best intentions, but there's probably a variation mm-hmm. in the degree to which they're aware of what other things may be operating as well. So, for example, I'm going to say this. (laughs) I think that the president thinks that he is operating with good intentions. Oh, I'm sure he is. Because he sees himself doing the best from the rules that he plays by. We can see the distortion. Mm -hmm. You know, he was asked about fossil fuels and how it's been shown that they are devastating. Infrastructure of the land is being completely compromised. Mm Mm-hmm. And what about that? And his response was something like, there's wealth under our feet. Like how he sees it is that there's money under our feet. Mm -hmm. We have to get the money. (laughs) That's how I read it anyway. You know, like not the true wealth of a planet that is thriving and allowing us to thrive. It's highly probable. Yes. And I agree with you. I think he believes this is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. So we are faced with totally incongruent ways of seeing life. Knowing this, how do we create the bridges, right? Mm -hmm. How do we see the humanity within each other and cultivate the kind of compassion that you're talking about Mm -hmm. in order to connect as human beings? on a deeper, more fundamental level Mm -hmm. than the political and socioeconomical divides that are so strong Mm -hmm. and ever-present in the media and all our conversations, how do we dig deeper? Mm -hmm. How do we find that quiet space to be able to connect deeper? Mm -hmm. And I think that's where your work comes in so beautifully. Thank you. I hope so. I like that you said finding that quiet space to connect because silence is so much of sound. The silence after the sound, actually, in most of the practices I do, we hold silence afterwards to let the sound settle inside, to let the body and the brain integrate the vibration that just moved through us. And in that moment, we can have this beautiful silent still point of sometimes bliss, you know, sometimes that peak meditation moment that people are going for, just the beingness pure emptiness. And I think 
being in that space does change us some way and being with others and being in that space of silence and of just being is another really powerful way to connect. And again, I think it's all about sort of getting out of the way. Can you enter into a space and put your ideology aside and put your politics aside and put your judgment aside, put the things aside that make you feel separate? The voice does that, you know? Again, even though it holds everything that you are and everything that you ever have been, it also is pure energy. And it's ancient. It predates political parties. Mm -hmm. I was honored and privileged to take a workshop with Isaye Barnwell, who's one of the founding members of Sweet Honey in the Rock. Mm -hmm. And she teaches this chant. She calls it the rainforest chant from the Mbuti people of the jungle in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And I love doing this, and I, I do it in my workshops too sometimes. But the song, it's a... Something like that, similar. Mm-hmm. And it goes in a round. When you do it and you layer it, the voices are all moving back and forth. And, and there are these other little melodies that will come through that are made up of two or three different parts meeting and dancing together. Partially, it's the sounds of the rainforest, right? It's the sort of hocketing insects and animals. and But functionally, she taught that in the social organization of the Mbuti people, this song is used to cultivate harmony amongst the people. So you really have to listen and you really have to like be right where you need to be mm-hmm. to have those other counter melodies, whatever they are, those sort of secret melodies come out. It's like a secret code. Yeah. And so they would sing this if there was unrest, if there was disagreement, if there was some conflict in the community. They use this song and sing it for as long as it takes Mm. to come to that point of balance and harmony in the community where everyone is listening to each other and everyone's voice is offering what serves the greater peace of the song and of the community. Oh man, I love that so much. I know. That's incredible. Yeah. Really, music and singing can completely balance out conflict within a group. You know, maybe it doesn't take on the issue at hand in that logistical or concrete way. But what it does do is reminds us of that connection and deepens our capacity to listen to each other. Sets us up to be in a place where we can restore balance and restore harmony. If we really want that, we can get it. Is there anything we haven't chatted about that you'd like to address, look at? The piece about um, taking care of yourself, to take care of others, it's also about freeing yourself. Mm -hmm. So let's go there. Let's talk about that a little bit. Mm. When we heal ourselves, we heal others. And when we free ourselves, we free others. Mm -hmm. So it has to start there, restoring our connection to ourselves and each other and the planet, healing what needs to be healed, looking at those dark places and liberating ourselves in the ways that we are held back, Mm -hmm. that we have agency in that. I believe that creates a chain. Right, because you're modeling it out for other people who might not have the resources necessarily to do it for themselves or the knowledge. Yeah, and I think it also, when you do that, you get a little bit more clear about what your purpose is, how you can serve, and that's the big piece. How can we each serve? How can we help each other in this planet? 
We all have a beautiful, brilliant, unique capacity to do that. Things need to be really quiet for that voice to be heard. You know, there's all these narratives floating in and out of our minds. What do I need to measure up to? What does this other person expect of me? Mm-hmm. Be it our parents, siblings, children, strangers on the street, mm-hmm. right? There are all these narratives that we're constructing and playing back and all of that somehow needs to take pause mm-hmm. in order for our true voice, I think, to emerge and let us know, guide us mm-hmm. on a path that feels authentic to us. Yeah, as you were saying that, what came to me was, like, what are we listening to? Right. Are we listening to those judgments or expectations? Or mm-hmm. are we listening to what's happening in the moment? The other piece of that that comes up for me is not only what are we listening to for ourselves, but how are we listening to others? That's another thing that's really powerful about gathering together with workshops or in retreats that are of this nature because everybody is showing up and what we're learning to do is listen to each other in a way that uplifts everyone. In addition to freeing our voices and tapping into deeper sources of creativity and expression and mm-hmm. all those things, there's nothing like feeling listened to in a way that's totally loving. Mm-hmm. I think about that a lot too when I'm out in the world with people. How am I listening to this person? Am I really listening to them? Mm -hmm. Really open to them, really trusting their best intention. A friend taught me this song. It says, I hear the voice of my grandmother calling. I hear the voice of my grandmother call. She says, wake up, wake up. She says, wake up, wake up. Listen, listen. Listen, listen. Mm, Lovely. Yeah, I love that. Wake up, listen. First listen. The next verse that comes through, she says, stand up, stand up. She says, stand up, stand up. In your power, in your power. Listen first. (laughs) (laughs) Wake up, realize you need to listen, listen. Then stand up so you know what you're standing for. Awesome, dude. (laughs) This was great. (laughs) Great. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for listening to Blissfully Aware. Look out for future episodes where we'll continue to share inspiring talks with creative people who are forced for good. Subscribe to Blissfully Aware through your favorite podcast app and check out thedaring.co for in-depth articles. You can also find us on Instagram at thedaring.co. I'm your host, Yuana Friedman. Our theme music is by Ben Tyree. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a message at info at thedaring.co. Until next time. (laughs) 